0: Welcome to episode three of the Mental Health Commute with uh, Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. Today, we are going to talk about child and adolescent depression and anxiety regarding how do you just consider is there an issue that you might need to look at? And this is really aimed towards parents, other folks, mentors in the community that might be dealing with children and adolescents. How do you spot that there might be an issue of where to seek help? And how would you go about those initial steps in doing that? So, Matt... You have a comment there? Well, we can start with how to approach the conversation. So that would be a good place to begin
1: where to start the conversation I think the easiest way to go about it potentially is to normalize the conversation which to me means we're we're starting the conversation before there there are issues so that we're normalizing the conversation and and talking about it in a preventative or proactive measure instead of reactive like we talk about parents doing with sex education or bullying Or other topics now that you're supposed to talk to your kids about and you don't wait until it's happening or you're having to address a problem, but you're normalizing the conversation ahead of time.
0: Well, some parents and others might ask the question, well, if I bring up that my child might have depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, won't that induce, though, my child to have more of those issues? Aren't I going to maybe cause those? Because if they're not having them to begin with, why would I even bring it up?
1: Well, if we if we look at kids today, they're probably going to have a friend who's dealing with it if they're not. They're going to deal with it in in their peers. So it may not be a conversation initially of this is what you have to look out for but this is something that's present that you're gonna see and you know this is how as a family we want to respect people that, that have this
0: and that's a very important point because last episode we talked about the shadow diseases you know which are sort of those hidden type of issues like depression anxiety that you don't wear on the outside like a broken leg but they're inside But there's also these shadow symptoms. Your child is involved in a whole ecosystem, not just within the family. They might be involved in sports, dance. They're at friends' houses. They're at school. And they experience things. And kids don't tell you everything that's going on in their world they don't even think to tell you about everything that's going on in their world really when things not so good and are bothering them they are less likely sometimes to bring it up unless you've already brought up that it's okay so a specific example is just yesterday i was talking with someone and they happened to ask if i need to talk to somebody about suicidal thoughts or if this person brings these up to me this child adolescent what do i do You know, I don't want to make things worse. And that is so common to hear people say that. And really what I told this person was, you know, your goal is to be there, that it's okay if this child brings up this topic. You want this child to know that it's okay and that you can deal with it. They can tell you whatever they want to tell you and you are there. You're not going to try to shut them off or try to say that their feelings should be somehow different. You are there just to be a container and sort of take it in and to help them through. Because that is the biggest thing that a lot of kids need. They need these safe containers out there. Sometimes they might want to bring up that I get angry, irritable. And sometimes if they're acting that way in the home, uh, one of the first responses, the easiest response is sort of come back with that same energy towards them but what we really want you to do is just come back often with the opposite energy oh you don't respond in kind you respond in opposite automatically helps calm down the situation i just saw a youtube video but it was of this four or five year old helping calm down his two-year-old brother who was having a temper tantrum and he actually went through these oh you know over the course of about 30 seconds to 60 seconds calming down his brother and what did he do Did he, like, grab him and sit him down? He just sort of sat there and quietly talked him how to breathe, how to calm down. The little feller just sort of calmed down. And, you know, so that's what we sort of see. So bringing up that it's okay to talk about is very important. So what are those symptoms that we're sort of looking for? So we're looking for changes, you know, in the kids or the the adolescents. And it might be a little bit different in the younger kids versus the adolescents, uh, just because of maturity states and the ability to talk about how you're feeling. A mnemonic for depression. So that mnemonic is SIG-E CAPS. That's S-I-G-E-C-A-P-S. The S stands for sleep changes. So that can be either sleeping less or sleeping more. And we're talking not just a night or two. We're talking about ongoing symptoms, and we're not talking necessarily just one of these, but it's the constellation. A big one is interest, as if they've lost interest in things that they usually have been interested in, or they've gone to some really maybe dark interests that's just way outside where they've been before. That might even be changing friend groups. Uh, Guilt about things, whether that's with friends or at home feeling bad, talking negatively about themselves. In a lot of negative terms, they can never do anything well. They become sort of more perfectionistic about things their energy level has just sort of dropped off the charts it's very very low they sort of mope around they don't want to go places with the family they don't want to do things their concentration so you see grades start to slip a little bit they're spending more time having to get through work they late assignments teachers are saying you know johnny emily they're just they're not performing like they usually do they just don't seem like themselves You have appetite changes where it can be more or less. Uh, Some people go to eat more to comfort their feelings or to eat their feelings away. Some people just lose their appetite and they're, you know, say they love pizza. And all of a sudden, I don't really care if I have pizza. It just really doesn't excite me. Are they moving slower or faster? And then we have the thoughts of not wanting to be around, suicidal thoughts. We bring this up because, one, to normalize that it's okay to talk about. It's never going to make people think about it more. It might help them to think about it less. And you know, we have suicides that happen. Uh, Friends overdose, suicides happen in the communities. And those closer to those people who do that have a higher risk of doing that themselves. So that's one thing to know. And it's that you bring up in that conversation Son, daughter, I know that this happened with your friend. We're really sorry. For you, if any of these types of thoughts, we want to bring up a safe network for that to happen. Do you feel comfortable talking to us, you know, there might be a counselor at school. The teachers, you bring up the peer network, and maybe they have a coach on a team. That's really helpful. They have a next-door neighbor who they are really close to. So you have to use, use your network to help out. You know there's a lot of resources out there for you from the school counselors, you know there's mental health professionals whether that's a therapist, psychiatrist's office, your family practice provider to start to talk about things. But if you're seeing a consistent change in your kid there's been a big stressor happening. You know a grandparent died that somebody's really close to, a friend moved away, things like that and there's a change. It's important to maybe get your child in to to see somebody. And the other way that depression sort of shows up in children is irritability. They might just become very angry. They have these feelings that are really foreign. They don't want them. They want them to go away. And where do you take your feelings out the most? Where you feel safest. So you tend to take those things out at home against those closest to you. And that can feel like awful to the parent, especially if all of a sudden, your child is saying, "I hate you. I don't want you to be around," and you just want to say, "What? Stop it!" <laughs> and really, it's saying, "You know what? What's changed?" You know, and sort of stepping back. That is difficult to do in the moment, and nobody's perfect in doing that. It's important to sort of look at that and take those steps.
1: We've talked a lot about how to get to the point that you're ready to talk to your child or prepping the conversation so that when you have to have it, you're as set up as best as possible. Next biggest fear for parents is I go in to have the conversation and my kid just shuts me out. They won't respond. They're non engaged. They're not willing to listen. So
0: what do I do with a child who's actively rebelling against even discussing? Matt, I am so happy you brought that up. So for everybody who doesn't know, Matt is my son. He is an adult now, but amazing. He was an adolescent at one point in time, and this was his exact issue. Well, probably our exact issue is his mom and myself. You were that type of adolescent, correct? Yeah, my point of rebelling
1: was my dad does this for a living, so I'm just not going to talk to him, and that's probably going to make him more mad than anything else I could do.
0: So that was your agenda at that point in time. Probably not the main agenda, but the agenda I rationalized with. And my agenda at the time was, I have to connect with you somehow. Well, I not that I have to, I will. I'm a very determined person also. He was determined in the one way, and I was determined as the parent, not as a psychiatrist. I want a relationship with my, my child. How do I enter that world? I knew it was very touchy because he did not allow a law of entrance into his world. and He wanted a law of privacy in that. But, you know, you also, as a parent, have concern... Are things going okay? What are their friend and peer network like? We had to find a way that we could engage together throughout adolescence, and somehow it sort of worked out because, or at least, we're talking here on this uh, podcast together. What was your experience looking back? In terms of experience, from what aspect? Well, not only how you sort of engaged, but my trying to engage with you honestly don't recall a lot from that far back <laughs> now this is very common as adolescents we go through that period and a lot of things that happen especially with our parents at that time unless they're sort of like huge dramatic moments they're sort of lost in the ether a lot of times i'll talk with parents that you know Your relationship with your adolescent, if it's not going perfectly well now, once they hit 25, they'll see you in a different light. Hopefully, that's what the goal is. So can you sort of survive in that relationship till they sort of hit somewhere around 25 years old? Because all of a sudden, where you didn't know anything, all of a sudden you might have some wisdom. It's point of surviving. So what did I do during that time? And, you know, your mother also, what did we do? The important point to point out before you get into
1: what you did is the end point was I was probably, what, 21, 22? And I called you and said, okay, now. So why? But it took six years for me to get to that
0: point. Right. Program. So what allowed you, point, to still say reach out to us for help rather than not reach out to us for help? I guess probably more than anything, I knew that once I asked you for it, I knew you'd be there and give. So I, I trusted you. That it. trust factor and the really, that's nice to hear. <laughs> that is a big thing that safety container how do you preserve that when somebody is ready your child to come to you it's okay they could have wandered away whatever that trail might have they might have taken it might even been a very positive trail they want to come back and sort of say hey let's sort of talk and can you help me out or even let's reengage engage that uh, relationship and move it forward. So during that time for us as your parents it was one important that you were safe. You happened to have a very good friend network and you were not vastly changing your friends. That was very important. You knew your friends some of them and actually you would bring them around the house. <laughs> we could tell how you interacted with your friends how things were going and you had A certain couple friends that I knew if some things were going really bad, they would probably bring something up to me because we had pretty good relationships with them. Also, I knew that you were very helpful to people. I knew that you helped people solve their issues because that is one thing you would talk about. You took off in the night a couple times (laughs) (laughs) and you very specifically, I remember this, saying I had a friend who needed my help. To me, as a parent, was a very positive thing. You were going out to help somebody else so that told me you were connected with people i remember you were in a certain sport you thought it was very important that certain rules were set up that those were followed and in this one instance they repeatedly were not followed on the team and you so you quit the team from a parent perspective i was going my gosh he i know he loves this sport but now he's going to give it up Hurt. I hurt more for you than for me, but I go. But the reason he's quitting is because there are certain things happening on that team. The coach, others are, are not doing anything about it. I can't say anything about that. I mean, he's making a very positive decision. <laughs> as a parent, makes you very proud that he did that. You have to, as a parent, look at the whole gestalt of things. I knew you were never going to be somebody that I would engage with from uh, telling you what to do that relationship would not go well it's more when those are those times where you want to engage and talk than that you take those times and you cherish them one of the things I talked of in the very first episode that in my own family growing up I had some some adversity as my father had a serious persistent mental health illness I grew up with uh, three sisters no brothers You know, everybody has their different past, but what I remember very distinctly with my own parents is that, ever any of us had issues, what I saw with my parents is that they never gave up. They were always there. Whenever any of us hit adversity, They they just said, okay let's start over. Let's talk through this and let's move forward. I was very lucky that I was able to grow up with that type of influence. You know, some people are not so lucky. They don't have that template of growing up to be a parent to their own kids. That's why in therapy, I don't hold things against people. I mean, you take people where they are and you you build on that. It doesn't help to go tell people, oh, my gosh, that's awful. Why did you do that that way? That's not helpful to anybody. There's positive possibilities. How do you move people forward?